When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guests, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. All right, here we go. Tennessee back on their winning ways, and they were last week too, but this feels a little bit different uh, than just beating a lesser opponent in a bit of a ho-hum fashion. This is an SEC air quotes rival that Tennessee beat over the weekend, so congratulations to the Vols. A special congratulations to a member of the team not just his team, but our team, Cooper Mays, for making his return. So one of the things about the beginning of the week that's different from other jobs is you love the beginning of the week when you do uh, this sort of thing because you get to look back over the weekend. We'll have a full week five recap, four downs, coming up with our SEC power rankings. Spencer Riley, Tennessee's National Championship Center will join us, and we'll talk about the Celebrate 98 thing that they had. They didn't call it that because they got a trademark. But anyway, we will get to that. Uh, overcoming an injury like Brew McCoy, Spencer has done that with Jamal Lewis. How big was Cooper Mays' return? I thought it was monstrous. I thought that I, that was why the number was where it was. I tried to hint at that last week, but I didn't want to give anything away. Uh, and also the Torchbearers and Report Card. Who were the best players and where does Tennessee rank? But we begin with a very bizarre comment by Spencer Rattler, who may, may climb close to being the uh, Tannehill guy, who I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I'm struggling with his name. The long-haired mullet dude in the in the 90s that beat Tennessee at uh, South, Carolina, South Carolina. Do you remember his name, Caleb? It Wasn't it Steve, I Steve thought? Hill, yes. And I've heard he's a great guy since. But uh, the, the fact is, he liked to talk trash during the game. Spencer Rat- Rattler likes to talk trash after the game, saying this was Tennessee's Super Bowl. I'm sorry. There's never been a more inaccurate piece of trash talking in the history of man. I mean, I don't know how he thinks that 
Tennessee looks at South Carolina, but Tennessee looks at South Carolina as kind of the little brother of the SEC East. Fair or not. No offense, South Carolina fans. But that's the way they look at South Carolina. You want to talk about Alabama and Georgia, sure, those could be called in-season Super Bowls. But this was not an in-season Super Bowl, Caleb. And I just thought it was a, a very bizarre statement, almost one of which his program, he thinks, has already arrived. And I think part of this is a little bit more deep-seated because I see Shane Beamer just having a fantastic time at all of his public engagements. Uh, They did beat Tennessee and Clemson last year. Congratulations. But this program's a long, long ways for competing for for championships. Let me just ask you, I specifically didn't want to text you over the weekend because I just want to get your honest, fresh thoughts. What did you think of those bizarre comments and then – We're going to hear from uh, Fred White and also Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren what they thought about the comments. But let me get your take first. That's mine. They're just kind of stupid, and I don't know that he understands what the SEC is all about. Where is he from originally? Spencer Rattler. I'm going to look that up now. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to guess, by the way, Texas. That's my guess. Well, this ain't Friday Night Lights, so he just doesn't get it. Um, it was a bizarre comment that I think rubbed Tennessee fans a little bit the wrong way. Sounded like a sort of loser. So while you look that up, uh, I want to get to some people on the comment board. And it's uh, it's Arizona. Travis, sorry, Travis says it's easy to assume you've arrived at two and three. And uh, cute comments. It was just all out. Just a goofy goofy thing to say and i like this smoky mountain red has renamed cooper as the general i will text him that during the show and see if he likes it i think that's pretty good all right we're going to get to cooper and i thought he would have that much of an impact i thought he moved the line because it leaked out that he was going to play sunday because all these gambling sites have guys in these programs and that's why the line was 11 or 12 instead of eight or nine Cooper even said, do you think I could move the line that much? I said, I think you did. And I still believe that firmly. I think it would have been eight or nine and would have been way different. But, Caleb, let's let's stick with our topic at hand. And the comments, just how did they strike you? They were – I'm with you. They were shocking that he would say that. That was very much a sore loser statement to make. He was clearly very upset that, that the crowd got into it, that he didn't play well. He said in that same comment, he said, we're two and three, but it doesn't feel like we're two and three. I don't get that at all. I mean. You are what the record says you are. Also, okay, if you were two and three, but like you beat the spread in two of those games or something like that, maybe. You're two and three and two of your three losses, the other team covered the spread. Tennessee didn't just beat South Carolina. They covered the 12-point spread on Saturday. North Carolina covered the spread against them in the opener. So the only loss where they covered the spread in was against Georgia. So that's all they really have to hang their hat on, isn't it? Covering the spread against Georgia? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, it just uh, – like Go ahead. Go, don't yeah, it, it, and so that's where I was kind of like, when you think – like how does it not feel like you're two and three? It's not like you lost three play. – it's not like you lost all three games on the last drive of the game. You lost all three games by double digits. You're a two and three football team. And also, 
He played poorly on Saturday. Dave, let's call it what it is. Yes, Spencer Rattler has no help. We've talked about that. John Adams will be on the show and has been very high on him, and I understand it. Spencer Rattler has absolutely no help. He also, in my opinion, has really horrible coaching. I don't know why he ever committed to South Carolina. He shouldn't have followed Shane Beamer. However, he still played poorly on Saturday, and a lot of the stuff you might have thought about him as an NFL quarterback, you might have to reset your thought process on that. Because what we saw on Saturday, yes, he was under pressure, but if you're not blitzing him, if you drop back in coverage and you can get a little bit of pressure, he's useless. That's what we kind of saw with Spencer Rattler. Here's what our Sunday wrap-up had to say, and if you are not a part of that, you need to go ahead and click like and subscribe and be sure you've got your notifications on because we're dropping stuff on Sunday like a clumsy waiter. So here we go. Here's what Fred White had to say about the this must be Tennessee's Super Bowl. Some people don't need a microphone in their face. How about that? I mean, we expect to beat South Carolina. There's not a there's not a, a, a fan that you will tell you, oh well, we gotta beat South Carolina. No, we expect to beat you. We expect to beat you every year. It just shows us your game was a fluke last year. That's it. I I thought it did. And I think that this program as a whole from the top down, South Carolina, no pun intended, is probably a little cockier than they should be. <laughs> hey man, I enjoyed my I enjoyed my fried chicken, my baked chicken, my grilled chicken, my wings, my chicken marsala all weekend. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> Here's what I he did, and that's Fred White. His appearance brought to you weekly on that Sunday show with Fred, brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience. Wait till we get to Coop. It's classic. Leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation, mitigation techniques. In other words, they make your kids safer. They're working with private schools now. Uh, but go to your public school or private school. Let's make the push. Let's make the legislation happen. HeraldGRP.com. Highly trained security individuals to protect your children at school. We've heard of the tragedies. Let's avoid them. HeraldGRP.com. All right. Here's what Cooper Mays had to say. Revenge or a reckoning, as they said on the television broadcast, was that in your mind heading into the game? No. Really? Not, not at all? No, I've only lost to South Carolina one time in my career. Like, I don't – I don't know. I think, like, Spencer Rattler said that that it was, like, our Super Bowl or something. I don't – I didn't see it like that. <laughs> okay. I was going to get to those comments. They were a little bit odd. What did you think of this being your Super Bowl? Yeah, I didn't think it was that. I don't really, I don't really know what I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know what I thought it was, but it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> They're a good football team, but I don't think anybody thought that it was our Super Bowl. So there is uh, Cooper Mays, brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, CityHeatAndAir.com. How about Jacob Warren, who's usually a little bit more reserved on his comments? By the way. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor Hahn. I don't have glasses. I don't have contacts because of them. LASIK and cataract surgery done locally. CCTIs.com. Here's Jacob's thoughts on Super Bowl time for the Vols against South Carolina. 
Spencer Rattler, I don't know if you've even heard about this yet, said uh, uh, this must be uh, Tennessee's Super Bowl. Did you did you hear that uh, comment? I did not, but I saw something on Twitter about somebody tweeting something about we won. I don't know. I saw something on Twitter about it, about someone saying Super Bowl. But he can say that if he wants. It doesn't matter to me. They rushed the field on us last year, so that was their Super Bowl, I guess. <laughs> they won. <laughs> Rushed the field on Astros last year. That was their Super Bowl. It's the most bizarre trash talking, honestly, I can remember in a 25 year career, Caleb. It not only makes no sense, but it's just, I mean, that was their Super Bowl last year. It's, it's just, and it's September. I mean, Caleb, I may, I could make no sense of it why he would say that. I'm, Look, honestly, I wonder if he exposed himself not being used to playing in a crowd like Neyland Stadium. I wonder if that that's where that comes from. Because I think he, Neyland Stadium, maybe it was just really loud and he just wasn't used to that. But it's loud like that for most night games against SEC teams. Like outside of Vanderbilt and Kentucky back in the day, if a semi-competitive SEC team comes to town and faces Tennessee at 7 o'clock for a night game, Dave, it gets loud, doesn't it? It like it's really loud, and I don't think Spencer Rattler's used to that. And I think that's where that comes from. You know, he's played Big Twelve football for a while. Those Oklahoma Tech, those Oklahoma games, a lot of them were at noon or three thirty in the Big Twelve. And then he go and when they are night games, they're not they're not at loud stadiums. And I'm looking at, I'm trying to remember who South Carolina played last year in the SEC on the road at night. That would have been a imposing game. You know, they played Tennessee at home at night, but. What Kentucky and Vanderbilt were their two night road games in the SEC last year? Like that's so that's what it is. He's never seen a night environment like Neyland, like Neyland Stadium. And guess what? Neyland Stadium, as you know, Dave, is always like that at night in big games. Oh yeah, and a lot of times, like it's that during the day, um, you really have to have a down opponent for them for it not to be like that. I mean, and part of that is, are the fans, obviously. But part of that's what Danny White has built, and I credit him for making it and just an incredible venue that's one of the top two or three, I believe, toughest places to play. I used to have it, I say top five. I used to have it top 10 to 15. I think it's even higher now with all that they do. So I'm going to ask you a question, and it's part of what the H? What the what was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So what the age today, you have to pick one word to describe Spencer comments, odd comments about the Super Bowl. And here we go. It's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sportsbook in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. Sign up now. Support our advertisers and sponsors. That's why we're here. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. So you got to pick one word, Caleb. One word to describe Spencer Rattler's comments. 
That word is salty. He's salty. I'm going to go in a different direction, whether he was upset or not, whether or not emotions played into that. I'm going to go ignorant. Just That's a good one. Just ignorant. ignorant. Yeah, he, he said he's from Texas, right? No, um, Arizona. Arizona, excuse me. He, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get how this is a big game because there are only 12 of them. And there are only a certain amount at home. So I'm just going to go with all out ignorant. I thought it was incredibly ignorant. Fill in the message board and I'll get to you. If you had to pick a word. Oh, very good word by Alliance who says petulant. That's pretty strong. And listen, and listen to this. If Neyland Stadium can be a Super Bowl against South Carolina, then I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Uh, the Vols are in a very good position. So now it's time to give out some awards. And that's brought to you by... Our friends at Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Look at me. No contacts, no glasses. I'll tell you more. Let's give out some Torchbearer Awards. Who were your players of the game? We'll also give you a report card as we'll discuss how Tennessee played in a very one-sided win that felt every bit as much like one of those 60 to 20 wins last year, just in a different fashion. It was every bit as dominant. So, Let's get to the report card. You can check this out on offthehooksports.com and also our torch bears. Highly encourage you to do that as uh, Caleb dives into those. And that's a thankless job because you always get ripped for uh, your report card, especially by players and coaches. It just happens. Let's start with quarterbacks. I'll tell you if I agree with a, and if I agree, I disagree by more than a grade, I'm not going to quibble over a minus or a plus. I'll say, that's crazy. All right, quarterbacks, C. I'm going to start. That's crazy. I liked what Joe Milton did. I thought his footwork was better. I think you go into it grading on a curve, Caleb, in that he's just not going to ever be very, very accurate. Well, I don't grade on a curve. I have a standard, and you either meet that standard or you don't. And I got that. Uh, Joe Milton, I think that, I, I, again, I think he's looking, he is what he is. You can win with what he is, but that you can't, that, that underthrow to Jacob Ward that should have been a touchdown. That was a bad one. The 50 yard pass to squirrel white. He does not get any credit for whatsoever. That was all squirrel white making that play. He had nothing to do with that play right there. And the first interception didn't see a safety over the middle. You gotta know, you've got to read the safety. If he's dropping back into cover three, even if they're disguising with cover two, you've got to read the safety if he's dropping back. So that read was absolutely horrendous. And it's the first time I've seen him do that. So I'm giving him a little bit of a pass. I would have a B, but I understand all that you said and completely jive with that running backs. A minus. Yeah. It would have been a plus if Jabari small did not have one fumble at one point that Bruce McCoy recovered. Um, that's Very the only good. reason this isn't an A plus. Uh, in three seconds, can you find me a better group of running backs in the SEC? Not off the top of my head. No. Ole Miss has probably the best running back in the SEC, but I don't know that there's a better group in the SEC. Wide receivers get an A. Hey now. I yeah, agree. Wide receivers did everything right. I couldn't do A plus because none of them had a touchdown. There wasn't like a spectacular stat line, but they didn't do anything wrong. And Squirrel White, again, I just, like I just mentioned, 
that catch is the catch. It's right, right now it's the catch of the year. Not only was it a bad throw by Joe Milton, but he was interfered with the whole time on that play. And I think the only reason the ref didn't throw the flag was because he saw Squirrel White called it. In his credit, he didn't want to waste time with the pass interference penalty that he knew was going to be declined. I think he was looking for his flag and then. Well, okay. If he did that, that's bad for him because he'll get graded on that. But it did feel like that. It's like he caught it. Uh, what the heck? Let's get out of here. This, is, I mean, you can feel it on the field when a team's getting outplayed. And South Carolina was getting outplayed both up front and at the skill positions. Tight ends, A minus. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give that a – That's crazy. Just because our guy Jacob Warren caught a touchdown pass, and I said I wouldn't quibble over halves, uh, half grades, but I'm going A-plus. So I'm quibbling on behalf of my guy Jacob Warren. It would have been an A-plus, but McCollin Castles did have a drop in the game. There was one I... drop by McCollin Castles, and that knocked it to an A-minus. To have an A-plus, you have to play perfect and be spectacular. No mistakes. Okay? I... Like, like Denzel Washington and remember the Titans. You drop a pass, you run them all. I, I understand. I understand. But I'm looking out for my guy, Jacob. Offensive line, A minus. I'm going to argue with you again. That's crazy. Because for Coop's sake, it was great to see him back. I'll give him an A plus, but you tell me why you did not. Because even though he's better than Andre Carrick, one that's a very low bar to clear, um, Ali Lane still had missed a couple of blocks at left guard and he had a penalty. A minus. That's true. Defensive ends, you gave an A. Defensive tackles, you mean. Oh, defensive tackles, A minus. I yeah. agree. Yep, defensive tackles, A minus. Would have been an A plus, but that one run play, that 175-yard touchdown, I mean, that was partially on them. So, Defensive ends, you give an A. Hey now. No argument. Yep, uh, six sacks on the – I said they need to show up. They showed up, and the younger players showed up. James Pierce and Joshua Josephs showed up more than Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison. Just want to point that out. Linebackers, I'm giving both. Hey now. And that's crazy. Uh, I want to see from the coach's perspective more Arian Carter. So that's not really on the linebackers. They played great at an A minus. I agree with that. But I just want to see more from Arian Carter. I want to see him more on the field. I want to see him doing some uh, elite type of stuff, lining up at different positions. So. A minus is great for the actual play, but I, I want to see Tennessee's coaches do more with him. They were out of position on the one running play for a touchdown, which makes it an A minus. I kind of agree, but right now you can't put him in over Aaron Beasley. Look, I'm eating a little crow on this. Aaron Beasley was amazing. Forget his stat line. How many times did he take the right angle to the outside to force the runner in? I mean, I've never seen a linebacker. I haven't seen a linebacker at Tennessee this good at taking the right angle in years. And I mean, huh? years. This is rare. Wow. Wow, good stuff, man. So Caleb goes from hating, or not hating, but thinking Aaron Beasley can't play to now uh, one of the best in years, uh, a turnaround, which just shows you that we don't get our feet dug in the ground and refuse to change our opinions. Secondary, A+. plus. What? Hey, now. Pick six, Spencer Rattler held 169 yards passing. Wesley Walker is a big reason it's an A+. plus. How many open field tackles, Dave, did Wesley Walker make? Uh, a, a lot. I don't have the number. But he it seems like he snuffed out a bunch of runs that could have been disastrous if he doesn't wrap them up in the open field. So, yeah, A-plus for secondary. Can't believe that. After an F-minus last year against South Carolina, an A-plus this year. Kicking game, A-minus. Let's run through these before we get to Spencer Riley. Uh, yeah, uh, kicking game, Jackson Ross, yeah. great punting. 
yeah, Charles Campbell made both field goals. No issues. Now that's different than the return game, which gets a D minus and for good reason. Hey now. Yeah, because of um look, there was that fumble by D. Williams that he ran for a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, there was the uh fail on the fake punt. So yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And hand out our torchbearer awards. Um, you tell me who you thought were the top players in the game on Saturday, Caleb. So give out the torchbearer awards. So I already mentioned Wesley Walker. Uh, he was great at open field tackling. I got Squirrel White, who had 104 yards receiving and had the best catch on the day. Jalen Wright, you could have given it to Cooper Mays, but I gave it to because of the blocking, but I actually gave it to Jalen Wright because I thought his running was incredible. Kamal Haddon, hey, where are the Kamal Haddon haters today? I want to see them. Kamal Haddon's been balling out. Pick six, played awesome. And who Fred White called potentially the next Leonard Little continues to look like it. James Pierce Jr. is the player of the game. He had two sacks, but he was all over the field. Boy, he's good. I'm just telling you, he's he, he's good. Dan says the kicking out of bounds has to stop. That does. I think it will. He, that was often unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Be fair on that. Though. Yeah, but I'll, I also think that Josh Turbyville needs needs to not try to kill the ball every single time. He has a very strong leg. He can kick at 80%, and it's going to go into the end zone. So you're, you're, you're good with that. In 90 seconds, we're going to visit with Spencer Riley, former ball, talk about how special – this champions week was and what he thought of Tennessee's win over South Carolina. 92nd Spencer Riley, a production of Off the Hook Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hook. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to sh- uh, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right. This guy right here deserves major kudos, and I hope he had a fantastic weekend because he won a national title along with the 1998 national championship team so we want to get to spencer riley who had a uh had a good time i'm told uh spencer riley how are you sir good my friend what are you losing weight during this season do you lose weight during the season trying to buddy trying to trying to be less fat that's all i'm trying to be 
that's that's my goal when i go to the gym i always say trying to be less fat so yep. uh yeah we got three handsome devils in here on the on, on the program but before, no before we get to a lot of things which includes cooper Mays's return we also want to discuss with you uh losing a significant player during the season and how you move on you guys had to do that in 98 um, I'm sure you you know or you may not. I know you've got your own team to coach, but Rue McCoy was one of those beloved players, and sure. I do think I do think a really special talent, which you pointed out last week. But let's let's start with the weekend. How was it seeing the guys? I know you probably keep in touch with uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, but uh, I, I had a tear in my eye when I saw about 50 of you guys uh, underneath the goalpost. That was pretty special. How was the weekend, sir? Man, it was great. Uh, you know, Saturday was it was it was it was a long day for me. I had to be there around. I had to do some TV stuff at eleven forty-five. So I was there from eleven forty-five till right after halftime, and then I headed home to get ready to go to work and try to uh, win a region title this week. So, but it was great seeing everybody, man. It was it was so much fun catching up with guys that I hadn't seen in a while. Some guys I hadn't seen since I left college. Uh, some guys that I see period. You know. More than not, about every every chance I go to a ball game, I see those guys, and it was just great to see all those guys and catch up and see Coach Former and and see some of the staff. And I know Friday night was they had a really good time, and we were, a lot of everybody got together. I know Mike Berry was in town for that Friday night, and okay. um, and I didn't get to see him, which is which which makes me tear up a little bit. Being you know having to see my old line guy, and uh, I talked to Coach Sanders every, every I talked to him at least once a week, so. You know what I mean? Talking to those coaches and, and seeing Steve Caldwell on the sidelines and on the field and visiting with him. And it was just great to catch up with all those guys, man. Yeah, I've got my, I got my uh, one funny Mike Berry story. He comes up to me and when I was a reporter at the New Sentinel and I puts his hand on me. He said, this is the way you do this and the handwork. And I, I'm taken aback because, you know, I've never had a coach or player actually put his hands on me to show me technique. And he stops in the middle of it. He goes, you get a little uncomfortable by contact, don't you? <laughs> I said, well, Mike, no, when, I, when I don't know it's coming, maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's Mike Berry for you, man. <laughs> Makes everybody, he'll put he'll puts you in an uncomfortable situation if you don't want to or not, just because, hey, that's the way you, that's, as an lineman, you got to be in those un, uncomfortable situations to be able to perform. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to put me down on the pavement right there in the parking lot next to – uh, the practice facility. I want Caleb to get you started on Cooper's return, how big it was. But first, I do want to ask you, did you see the Spencer Rattler comments about how this must be Tennessee Super Bowl? Did you see that? Oh, I read about it, but, you know I mean? Hey, have fun, Spencer. Enjoy the rest of your season, buddy. You so. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> Caleb, get us rolling on the Coop. We're going we're gonna to call the general – from now on, that's his new nickname. So we're just going to throw that out there. It may stick. It may not. But we'll see. What do you got, Caleb? Well, a couple of tidbits real quick. Uh, ETSU, I can tell you right now, is very much missing Randy Sanders as, ho- as head coach. Well. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are following that right now. And um, uh, one of the starts of the Florida game, Spencer, 1998, one of my earliest memories is I didn't know about assistant coaches or anything, but they did a big feature on Mike Berry and how it was such a big deal for Fulmer to get Mike Berry to be y'all's line coach that year and how much it really changed the way the offensive line played in, from 97 to 98. Oh, for um, sure, man. He brought a different mentality to the game of football. And uh, it's a guy that I enjoy being around. He taught me a lot about football and 
You know what I mean? He challenged you and pushed you to be the best that you could be every day. And it, and it was, it was great to be around him every day. Uh, he, he, I, he's a second father figure to me, just like all those coaches are, uh, that was on that staff. And, but Mike Berry is just a special guy. Uh, he's really good at what he does. He, he, he has connections with his players that you just don't get. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see that. So diving in, I thought what just the biggest 180 on Saturday, I thought it was so obvious Cooper Mays being back in the game. I think that's why Tennessee ran the ball so much better than they ran it in the first half against Florida. Did you notice the same thing? I know they say Tennessee ran the ball well all year, but I took that with a grain of salt because they played three bad teams outside of Florida. So did you notice a gigantic 180 in them, how well they ran the ball? Well, I mean, when you're running a football, it doesn't make it doesn't matter who you're playing. You got to be able to execute. You got to be on the same page. I thought the flow of the game for the offensive line was so much better because I thought they were all on the same page for the most part. Um, you know, I mean, you're going to have your you're going to have your miscues here and there and and things like that's going to happen. Uh, but I thought I thought Cooper played a pretty solid football game. I would say it was one of his best football games. You know, I mean, he looked a little rusty. I mean, but again, getting us getting us in the direction, and we all needed to go and being all, all on the same page—that's the key. Yeah, and he admitted that he got a little bit gassed during the game, and that he came oh, yeah. out. Yeah, and and that he actually came out and didn't play his best in the first quarter because that was his first time uh, back in action. It just seemed. Here's what I thought: Tennessee was already a good running football team. If you want to look at the statistics, yeah. Maybe that was situational, whatever. But I thought that Joe Milton, and tell me if I'm crazy, Spencer. You can do that at any time because I say stupid stuff every once in a while. No I such thought, stupid stuff, man. I, I thought Joe Milton looked considerably more comfortable. Just his footwork and everything in the pocket with Spencer in there, as opposed to the previous four uh, with Spencer in there with Cooper in there, as opposed to the previous four games. Did you? I mean, you you can say that. I mean, when you when you got the guy who sets the point of the pocket, you know, what I mean, and creates the depth of the pocket, and the tackles will run them by and create the width of the pocket. You know, what I mean, so it, it's one of those things that you're like, it just makes it. You get the middle three guys who. Hey, you got to create the wall. The tackles are to create the width of the pocket. And, and you know, we you just, as an offensive line, as a center, you all have to be – you got to understand what you're looking at. You know what I mean? You got six sets out. You got you got three guys looking at and having having their eyes all in the same place. And I thought they did a good job of that and, and battling and competing and, and being a little bit more physical there in their pass pro. Yeah, I think that, that, that Spencer holds – I'm sorry, Cooper holds people accountable. You two remind me of each other in a couple of different ways. Um, but I think that Cooper holds people accountable and his toughness level raises the toughness level of the entire offensive line. Uh, Spencer Riley's um, appearance is brought to you in part by Andy Mason Real Estate. AndyMasonRealEstate.com, real estate experts over four decades of combined experience in East Tennessee. Best prices, best services in the biz. It's that simple. Why would you go anywhere else? Go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com for your real estate needs to learn more. Caleb? So, Spencer, sticking with the offensive line, look, there. I think one of the – it was very clear there was an upgraded center with Cooper Mays. Again, no disrespect to Ollie Lane or anybody else, but this is just – it's Cooper's line. It's Cooper's team, and he really runs the offense well. 
did you still notice some issues? Because I felt like I did with interior blocking on the left side. I just I felt Ollie Lane struggled a little bit at left guard. I, I know you're probably not the type of guy that likes to call people out, so I'll just say in a vague position unit. Did you see some issues on the interior at certain times? I mean, you know, it, it's you just got any he how many reps does he have invested in left guard right now? You know, what I mean, that's the question you got to ask yourself. You know, what I mean. Uh, I played a guy Friday night and doesn't have a ton of ton of experience in, in, in at left guard and, and we kind of struggled a little bit, you know what I mean? But at times we were pretty good. But the kid knew where to go, knew what he was supposed to do, and we were able to make those make those adjustments and move accordingly, right? So, um, and it's kind of the same way in at Tennessee, you know what I mean? A kid's been playing center all all year now. He he never has a backside, you know. He always has a front side. He 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 has. He's always working the direction of, of, of the call. And, and, you know, I mean, when you're on, as a guard, you always have a front side. Of, you're part of the front side of the play or you're the back side of the play. You know what I mean? So different footwork for different things that happen along those lines. And, you know what I mean, until you get your – until you build your reps up involved in that and, and just being consistent with it on a day-in and day-out basis, um, it kind of gets a little uh, dicey at times. I think so. And – uh, Spencer, by the way, congratulations on the win on Friday. As thanks, man. You guys just keep rolling along. Big one this week too. Yeah, man. We win Friday night. Uh, we'll uh, clinch a part of the region title uh, here, uh, and then we have uh, a couple. We have three more games after that. Um, but if we beat our, if we we got an opportunity to go undefeated in our region, it hadn't happened in Jefferson County since 1993, which was when I was a senior in high school. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that's I a long want- time ago. I want a shirt. I want a shirt and I want to wear it with a Jeff County logo every single Monday when you're on. That's if you can, you can hook me, uh, hook that up. Cause I got to get you a book too. Are you, are you a size small? Oh, I'm a medium. I'm, are you a medium? I'm not a medium. I'm still an okay. XL. I'm still an, it's, okay. it's the broad manly shoulders. I got you. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it, is it natural? Okay. So quarterback naturally is the leader of the offense and perhaps the team. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be. Yeah. At center, I'm sure there can be a great leader at left tackle or left guard or right tackle or right guard, but is it just natural that you should be expected to be the leader of that offensive line? Well, you're, you are definitely. you got to make sure you're, you're telling all five guys what to do. You know what I mean? So you've got to be confident and, and demanding on what you're doing and in watching those guys, you know what I mean? I think we've lacked a little confidence there uh, at that position. You know, if a guy's going to be now, I guess he's this, is he a fifth-year starter now, a fourth-year starter Cooper is. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so, I mean, it, it's one of those those aspects of the more you do it, the more confidence you have about yourself. You know what I mean? And everybody talking to They use the terms, you know, hey, he's got swag. You know, he does have a little bit of swag, right? So, because he's confident about what he does. Let's be honest with you. Well, Brew McCoy, McCoy is confident about his ability. I'll tell you that right now. There's no question. He's the leader of the wide receiver core. Just call it how it is. It's going to be a big, big. I mean, somebody's going to have to step up and fill those roles, fill that role there to, in that group. You know what I mean? So, um, and that kind of tells you, you kind of, you got You're going to have a guy here or there that's going to have to step up here in the year. And, and Cooper has done that right here. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, did that with the offensive line and. So just looking forward to seeing them move forward and, and, and continue to grow as a team. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think they've reached the potential where they can play at, at the tempo and on offense. 
don't think they've reached their potential defensively. Now, like glimpses defensively, man, it was one of the best defenses in the country. There's times that you're like, I don't face those dudes. Uh, but there's times, man, they don't look very good. Let's call it how it is. Same play on offense. And, and it's all about the consistency of your play from snap to snap. Oh, agreed. Okay, so this uh, – I, I want to go back to Cooper for just a second. And if you're a coach, which you are, and you're a coach at Tennessee, I know you don't want to go down there and lose to Florida. And if Spence, if uh, Cooper Mays – is 100% healthy, maybe you don't. But you look at this offensive line now and you think to yourself, you've built depth because of Cooper's injury. How For much sure. How much can that help them down the line? Uh, definitely will help them down the line. I mean, you got to, you know, if you're not developing your kids uh, from, from you're, you always got to try to shrink the gap between your first group and your second group and your second group to your third group. The closer you get that, uh, that gap, the better you're going to be as a football team, uh, and we talk about that as a staff here. Uh, we got to we got to continue continue develop our kids day in and day out. We 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 coach as hard with our freshman group as we do with our varsity group who plays a ton of snaps on Friday night. So, I mean, we got to shrink those gaps and, and and get those kids ready to play and have the ability to play and understanding and understanding all the the technical part, the the fundamentals of what we're asking them to do. Spencer, uh, transitioning over to the Brew McCoy injury, which I finally was able to take a – they didn't show the replay. I saw the replay of it on Twitter. Don't watch it if you guys can't handle – It's not good. Injuries. It's not. Yeah. You, you've you obviously – you guys obviously dealt with one in 98 when Jamal Lewis went down with the season-ending injury. Sure. I know they, you know, there's obviously the talk of next man up. You got to be ready, things like that. But from a mental standpoint, how do you prepare in the sense of, I know you're trying to focus and move forward, but don't you also have to put like the fact that you, you got to feel really bad for the guy when they go down for the season, right? Like how do you move past that feeling so awful for a guy? Yeah, man, it sucks. We'll just call it how it is. I don't know if I can say it on podcast, but uh, it's not good. We don't have an FCC around here. Uh, Just checking. Uh, you know, I mean, it sucks. It, it, it sucks for him. You know, what I mean, it sucks because he's one of your he's one of your teammates. He's one of your brothers, and you don't ever want to see anybody get hurt in the game of football. But because it is such a violent sport, it does happen, uh, and, and and that's just part of the game. And we all know those risks. We all know those those things that we we, we go out every day and we put our body on the line. And I've had more surgeries than I can count because of the game of football. Wouldn't trade a bit of it for the world. Uh, because of the family and the brotherhood that you all got to see on on, on Saturday night of us 50 guys uh, were able to come back together. Uh, man, I mean, uh, it was just like we never missed a beat, you know what I mean, when we seen each other. And it was just like, you know, we've all – now we've aged. They've been some white hair in that group now, I'll tell you that much. But, um, you know what I mean, and, and, and is when Jamal – I mean, I hated it for Jamal. I mean, Jamal was – Jamal, if he if he's healthy that year, I mean, come on now. I mean, it's probably not a, it's probably not a, a, an issue, but you don't, but then what happens there is we find out that we have the Travis and Travis show. Come on, man. I mean, you, you got three freaking NFL running backs that were drafted. All, all of them were drafted in, in day one. I would do believe if I'm right on that. Uh, so. Not, uh, I think so. Uh, I mean, come on. So if, it, if that injury doesn't happen, 
in 99, we don't have three very, very talented tailbacks. Okay, so let me ask you this as the, the psychological aspect of the team. With when you lose a Brew McCoy, mm-hmm. um, and you lose because he is a team favorite, they, they love him, sure. even though he's a transfer. I think we think of transfers coming in, and he had some issues at Southern California. We think malcontent, he's been the exact opposite from everything that I have been told. Sure. At, at, when you lose a guy that you you really like, and you've been there with Jamal Lewis, um, do you, do you play for him, or does that sound cheesy, or do you just try to put it out of your mind? How do you handle it as a competitor to make sure it doesn't weigh on you? And it's worth noting Tennessee has an off week. Well, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a little bit different, and and, and I may be different from most people, but from my aspect as a player, I mean. Hey, I'm just got to move forward, and we got to continue to get better as a football team. The injury happened; it's in the past. We got so many ball games left to play, and we got to go execute, and we got to go win these football games to find a way to do that. And I know that sound that sounds probably bad, but at the end of the day, he he's rehabbing; he's getting better; he's still part of the team; he's still around, right? He's just not being a contributor right now. So you still see him on a daily basis. So it's not like he's over here hiding in the in the closet someplace or not being out here on the on the field on a daily basis. You know what I mean? So he's just not participating in games and practice, but he's still part of your teammate. He's still your teammate, your brother, and you just go out and and you go out to be the best that you can be for your team because at the end of the day, it's for the team. You know what I mean? And, and that's what today's football world is a little different from when I played. You know, uh, it was all about team success. Now, I mean, these kids are got NIL deals, and they got to have some individual success to keep that money. And at the end of the day, that's they want to they want to make that make that money just like you and I do. Um, Spencer, it's it's funny because I, I compare the two. You guys didn't have any chance to like refocus because Jamal Lewis goes down. Uh, y'all's often struggled a bit at Auburn. And then y'all got a top 10 road trip against Georgia the next week. So there was no time for y'all no. to kind of think about or to, you know, get used to it. But this no. team, how big of a deal is it that Cooper's back, but he's rusty, as you said. Ollie Lane needs to adjust a little more to playing left guard since he hadn't played there. And now they have to figure out what to do with their number one option with Brew out. Could they have asked for a better time for the bye week than this week? Well, you think of it one of two ways. I mean, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather not happen on the bye week. I'd rather have to be fast, fast and try to figure it out as we go and be a, be one of those deals that hey, we can't, we don't have time to worry about this. We have to move forward. We have to go on, and we have to be the best that we can be next Saturday. Well, Tennessee has the luxury of being off. You know, now they got some time to work it. But me, I, I would prefer it. You know, let's go into the next ball game and let's let's make our adjustments and let's roll with it. Yeah, it's funny you said that. Talking to Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays on the individual ball reports, brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning and our friends at Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. One said, Jacob said you'd kind of like to keep rolling. Coop yeah. said, probably from a conditioning standpoint, he's good with the week off. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Should have been running a little bit more, Coop. He's a little extra. He was running in the pool, but that's not the same thing as running nah. around in Neyland Stadium, pushing around SEC opponents 
that are playing, I guess, for the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? The conditioning pushing around a 300-pound man, it's a little different than just running sprints, right? Let's just call it how it is. So you push around a big guy for for, for <laughs> 60 minutes. You're like, yeah, I'm tired after this ball game. You're sore. You didn't know you're sore in places. And like, well, I understand. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, coming up, we're rooting for you. Um, you have a big game this week, and uh, Spencer, the the sooner you can get my Jeff County the uh, shirt, the sooner I can rep it. But big game this week, and we're all rooting for you. Who you got? How you feel? I know it's just Monday. Well, we got Westridge this week. It's um, <clears throat> it's a new school up there. They they consolidated the majority of the Sullivan schools, the directional Sullivan schools, into one school. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're good. They're gonna they lost their starting quarterback two weeks ago uh, for the season. Uh, so I mean, kind of trying to figure out what they'll do offensively and 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 do that. So so I mean, we'll just figure out how how all that goes, and, and you know, we know what they. We think we know what they're going to do offensively or defensively, but, you know, everybody pulls out something out of the trick versus us here the last couple of weeks. So, you know what I mean? So it's definitely uh, definitely be a fun time here in Dumplin' Valley. It's homecoming, so big week for us here at the school. Spencer, have a great week, buddy. We appreciate you, and thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks, man. Text me your address. I'll make sure both of you get shirts. Sweet. I'll do that. Sounds good. Right. Any shirt representing a school that beats Steve Spurrier's high school is always good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank appreciate you, guys. Have I a great week. Thanks, buddy. You too. Awesome. I appreciate Goodbye. that. That was uh, great stuff. And so I keep calling him Cooper because he reminds me – or uh, Cooper Spencer because the two remind me of, of each other. Um, I think you would agree that both are overachievers in their play, although Spencer was actually uh, surprisingly fast. He – he was in you might you might be surprised by this, but before he moved to offense, he was like in the four seven range playing deep. Well, that's the thing. Spencer had to change positions, I think, two times, right? Because he went from offensive defense to offensive line, but then he went from guard to center. Cooper was a natural born center. Like he was a center the second he stepped on campus and everybody knew it um, yep. at that moment. Dave, I, I wanted to just add on the Brew McCoy thing. What's the is it is it just luck or is, med- is medicine different now than just 17 years ago? And the reason I bring that up is the injury reminded me of the Tyrone Crowther injury, which ended his career at Alabama. Remember that injury when he faced Florida? I hope, yes. I hope, I hope medicine's different. Do you, th- do you think if Tyrone Crowther has an injury now, he probably is still playing football or able to come back? Was that 10 years ago, 15 years ago? That was nearly 18 years ago. Remember, Mike Chula ago. was at Alabama. They have a 31-3 to lead at Florida in the fourth quarter, and he throws a pass into the end zone to Tyrone Prothrow. Yeah, but here's the thing. So here's worst-case scenario with Tyrone Prothrow, and that was the, one of the more disgusting injuries you'll ever see. And I haven't seen the Brew McCoy injury. You have. I don't want to see it. You said it's similar. Here's the thing about going to the University of Tennessee as opposed to going to another school that ultimately they will find a way to make sure Brew McCoy is successful in life. So I think he'll come back and play. But if he's never the same, if he lacks that explosion and that power, or if he can't play again, the University of Tennessee, like Alabama did with Tyrone Prothrow, you might not know this, but they found him a university job and took care of him. So when you go one of the to one of the big schools um, – and I'm not picking on TCU, but just, for instance, TCU can talk you into coming there for 
what, $100,000 in NIL money, you're not going to get that support throughout uh, the rest of your life. So let me ask today's tough question uh, right now. And it's brought to you by our friends at the Hemp House, where you can get this, the Big Orange Crunch. It's upside down, the Big Orange Crunch. And if you use the promo code HOOKED, that's HOOKED, you can get 10% off any of their products and the hemp house is the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in cbd or delta products today's tough question is kind of a kind of a tough one i want to hear your thoughts on the message board because this is this one's this one's tough today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com what will have the bigger impact on this season? Cooper Mays' healthy return or Brew McCoy's injury and out for the remainder of the year? Caleb. I have so much regard, high regard for Brew McCoy, but it's Cooper Mays' healthy return. I do too. It's- I knew I was putting you in a bad position. I was putting me in a bad position. I'd love to hear another take on the message board. So let me argue Brew McCoy, even though I agree with you. Brew McCoy, when they say a 1A receiver, they're not talking about the first guy you throw to. So I'm going to kind of take you behind the curtain a little bit or into the locker room, whatever you want to call it, the dry erase board, with with the way coaches determine a 1A receiver. By the way, everybody says that May's coming back is a big difference. But let me tell you this. I'm not being Debbie Downer here. But when you have – a guy that dictates coverage, and Brew McCoy was do, doing that. He was underused, as Travis says, because I don't think Joe Milton was comfortable. He was dictating coverage in that a safety would roll around and always be on top. That's the same thing that he did last year, and uh, Cedric Tillman was supposed to do, and that's why Jalen Hyatt was open so often. So, Caleb, it's it's a bigger deal than I think some people – uh, are throwing out there at this point. It's easy to say, hey, just throw Ramel Keaton in there and Tennessee will be fine. No, I don't know that Ramel Keaton is physically gifted enough to dictate coverage. I think he's going to go against a lot of cornerbacks that will win the lion's share of battles or at least the majority of battles. That's what Brew McCoy was doing for this team from coaches and scouts that I talked to that watch the, what the all 22 is, is, is a horizontal camera from the end zone. You can see all 22. Well, people were adjusting for Brew McCoy because they were scared of him. That's why he hadn't gotten as many balls to this point. Also the Joe Milton being uncomfortable. They don't have that now. So it's a bit, it will affect the other two receiver positions. It's, it's a big deal. Now, Travis says, hopefully, Thornton can fill that gap. Let's talk for a second about who could fill that gap. Caleb, I don't know that it's Dante Thornton. He was out with an injury, and he's had a bunch of drops, and I don't know that he's a natural 1A receiver on the outside. Maybe he can prove to be that, but I don't see him as that player. I thought Brew McCoy, when Cedric Tillman got hurt last year, was that player. We always thought Dante Thornton was going to be a slot receiver, didn't we, Caleb? We did. Uh, we just thought he was a big, a bigger slot receiver. Yeah. I don't know that he's that guy. I think it's probably Keaton. Will coverage be dictated by Keaton? I don't think so. I think this is a more significant loss than even people are, are giving it. 
I think it should be Nathan Leacock. Um, he mm. was balling out in practice last year, but they didn't put him on the field. But I think Josh Heifel, again, I, look, Josh Heifel, the play caller, amazing. Josh Heifel, the talent evaluator, I keep questioning. And I think Josh Heifel is now giving seniority to players he picked. Now, he picked Nathan Leacock, but he also picked Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb, who are uh, a little bit older than Nathan Leacock. But Nathan Leacock is the only receiver over 200 pounds on, that's in the rotation right now. Um, well, Dante Thornton, he's 214, but I'm going to be honest. Dante Thornton, for someone who's 214 pounds, plays like he's 170 pounds. I, I'm just going to call it what it is. He play, he is he is soft, and I, I'm not afraid to use that word for him anymore, honestly. And so I think it's got to be Nathan Le- Leacock, unless we're not seeing – unless there's something in practice we're not seeing. But I get your point about dictating coverage. I mean, you covered the 06 and 07 teams. Yes, Lucas Taylor got 1,000 yards receiving. He didn't dictate coverage the way Robert Meacham did the year before, though. Amen. Amen. That's uh, and when you have to roll coverage over the whole time, it changes things. Not to get sidetracked, but that's that was one of the things that Deion Sanders brought to the game and the elite corners bring to the game. They could take one receiver out, so then you could actually roll coverage to the weaker receiver. So he's pretty much done. I mean, he's not having any sort of a game. I actually did some research, funny enough, what they typically did with elite speeds for cornerbacks like Deion Sanders back in the day, because I know I told you back and forth back a few weeks, months ago, but I kind of learned this. They would put Deion Sanders on the elite number two receiver to take him out fully. So the uh, the Cowboys game, I was wrong about it. The Cowboys 49ers game that we talked about that I told you a few months ago, they had, Deion Sanders on, they, they had Deion Sanders on Alvin Harper to take him out of the game. And then they were like, okay, we can have two guys worrying about Michael Irvin. Because my, Deion Sanders can just fully take Alvin Harper out of the game, and Alvin Harper was useless going against San Francisco in that one. And yeah, I'm, I'm not going to quibble with you on that, but there was a lot of Dion on Michael Irvin in that game because I, I, you remember your losses, Caleb, and I, I remember that game. But um, I, I think that Tennessee can move on. They can have a fantastic offense, but finding a guy who could dictate coverage would be – Huge SEC power rankings. Where do the falls stand now? Did they they dropped in the AP poll, Caleb? What the H? Yes, they did behind they did Missouri. Well, obviously Missouri has that quality win over Vanderbilt, Dave. Don't you know that? Did they drop in the coaches poll too? No, they moved up one spot in the coaches poll. So they're eighteen in the coaches poll, twenty two in the AP poll. But Kentucky and Missouri, Kentucky and Missouri both jumped ahead of Tennessee in the poll but lsu fell behind them in the ap poll so that's why they fell one spot and using my corny dave humor travis says you'd be a nimrod not to like a nimrod well you'd be a you wouldn't be a hooker if you did it for free so two minutes and i'm going to tell you why the coaches for once have it right in their ratings and the ap does not You'll never hear me say that if you listen to the program for 10 years. With Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. Back in just two minutes. Hang tight. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. 
We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. I want to get to the power rankings here in just a moment, and that'll be brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. But first, we got some people calling out some other media members on our message board. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to share the info just because I don't see their votes in front of me. I know you can look them up. But listen, here's the way you should do AP voting, guys. You should wake up on a Sunday morning and dread it. Okay, if you get asked to be an AP voter, everybody has told me this. And I've not been asked, but I don't want to be asked. You, if you take it seriously, you should take two or three hours out of your Sunday morning to put the list together. It should be volatile. In, in other words... If uh, I'm just throwing this out there, if Vanderbilt beat Georgia by 40 points, then Vanderbilt should move up like 10 spots and Georgia should drop like 20 spots. It should be very volatile. And then as you go along in the season, it's the collection of work. But that's not the way some people do it. And they think of it as a pecking order. I'm trying to figure out how Missouri goes above Tennessee in the AP poll. And Caleb, can you take a look at Missouri's schedule? And while I don't know how good Tennessee is, because three of their five opponents have been eh, and one in Florida is probably eh after they got beat by Kentucky. But give me Missouri's schedule right now before we get to the power rankings. So South Dakota, they beat Middle Tennessee by four. They beat Kansas State over off a 61-yard field goal, Memphis, and at Vanderbilt. Now, before you say anything, I'll say this. If you were going to leapfrog Missouri over Tennessee after beating Kansas State, fair. Okay, that's fine. You want to say that was the week Tennessee lost to Florida. You can say Tennessee lost to Florida. Missouri beat a top 25 team. They should leapfrog. Fine. But how do you make that decision after them beating Vanderbilt? And Tennessee beating South Carolina. That's totally I, inconsistent. I don't know. Who went uh, not um, out of 10 times, South Carolina, Vanderbilt meet on a neutral field. How many times does South Carolina win that game? 
every time this year, every single time. Last year, maybe a little different story, but they're winning every time this year. Yeah, I was going to say eight or nine. That's pretty much every time. Um, so, all right, let's get to the power rankings. Power rankings, we have a new number one. Why do you have Alabama over Georgia? It's on offthehooksports.com. Is Nick Saban finding his flow with Jalen Milrow? Didn't mean for that to rhyme. Go ahead. So I think that Alabama, look, before I say Alabama's number one, and I'm going to say this in the next segment too, people are really overreacting to Georgia struggling at Auburn. I don't think that that's the biggest deal, but now, which Alabama, I, disagree, I, I disagree with, but go ahead. Okay. We'll get to that. Alabama dominated Mississippi state. I mean, they dominated. And I think they're finally deciding we're not going to make Jalen Milrow a pocket passer. It's just not going to happen. He's not like a Jalen Hurts who they could trust to drop back and throw and then take off and run. They're like, okay, we're going to make Jalen Milrow like almost a Vince Young, Michael Vick type. You know what I mean? That, that is just a run first quarterback at this period in the story. And we'll try to make some big plays happen through the air when he can. And they've, they've adjusted the offense and it's very clear they're doing that. Also, one of the things that I think helps Alabama for me this week, that win over Ole Miss looks a lot better than I thought it was. I mean, let's call it what it is. Ole Miss playing the way they played last weekend. You got to sit there and say, okay, that that was a good win by Alabama. They're getting things together. And that Texas loss is not a bad loss. Texas has beaten – Texas just beat an undefeated Kansas, which, I mean, I know it's Kansas, but still, they're looking really good. So you got to put Alabama back at number one. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, but I do think Georgia is still the better team. Um, One one last thing on the message board, Rocky Top Tom says on the AP poll – uh, Missouri is five and zero. We're four and one against teams which are mid to horrible. I get that, but it's a trip to the swamp, so you have to factor that in. And and frankly, to some extent, only about ten percent I factor in what happened last year in the Tennessee Missouri game. I think they're significantly better. Well, but, uh, it, I don't want to talk about people. Your poll's better. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> We'll get to the yeah. It's also just I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that 75 percent of the voters I don't think take it very seriously and they just fill it out. I take an I take like two hours on my Heisman vote. I really take it seriously. I, I don't want to be an AP voter. If they asked me, I wouldn't, which I don't think they're going to. But I, I don't want to do that. But anyway, I want to get to your rankings. Your your rankings okay. are better, and it's not close. Well, these okay. are power rankings. These are my actual top 10, to be fair, which is oh, totally no, no, different. I know. I know, but this right here is more solvent and more um, uh, more representation of college football than the AP poll this week. And usually I'll say that about the coaches poll, but the AP poll was off. You got Ole Miss at number three. That's a pretty significant jump. What a huge win for the Rebels, who I was throwing some dirt on uh, last week. And... Uh, Lane Kiffin just dialed up one of those offensive days where you can't stop him. He did. He did. And quite honestly, I got to give him a lot of credit. I almost knocked him because quite Lane Kiffin was down by two with 30 seconds left on inside the LSU 10-yard line. LSU had two timeouts left. Dave, you run it three times and make them use two timeouts, and then you can feel able to win the game at that moment, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Instead, Lane Kiffin went for the touchdown and gave LSU a chance to almost win on the other side. You don't go for the touchdown there ever. You do what Philip Fulmer did against Syracuse. He got to the 10 yard line and he said, I'm running this clock down. I don't want Donovan McNabb back on the field. Yep. <laughs> and so, so before yeah. we get to Tennessee, who is in the top half when they weren't last week, Texas A&M, 
Uh, I thought that Bobby Petrino would bring a little bit of organization to that team. I don't know that they're a championship contending team at all, but I will say this. I think that Bobby Petrino short-term was a good answer for them. And then you, uh, if you want to address both these teams, LSU at number five, as we get closer to the balls. Yeah. LSU is still, look, they are, they are a disappointing team this year. They were an underachieving team, but if you look at their body of work, losing to Florida state and then on the road at an Ole Miss team, that's better than we thought is not, I mean, it's better. It's a better resume than most of the sec. And they still have that blowout win over Mississippi state and they beat Arkansas, which is a rivalry game. So they still belong at number five in the sec power rankings. If LSU played anybody else outside of those top four on a neutral field, including Tennessee, LSU would be favored. Okay. Vols at number six. Why? They got their first quality win in the SEC. And they didn't just get it. They actually looked significantly better than South Carolina. And it's the, you know, if you you were to go head-to-head circular logic here, which I don't believe in, and I don't think you believe in either, Dave. You know, this team beat this team, and this, which beat this team. So this team needs to be ahead of this team. I don't do that at all with power rankings, at all. And because this is who's playing the best right now. Who would you, outside of those five schools I named, who would you favor over Tennessee on a neutral field, honestly? Uh, none, and we'll get to the rest of the list. I think six is a very, uh, I actually think they're probably the fourth or third best team. But with what they've done and the way you do it, I totally agree. Right. That's where I am too. And this is where the controversy is going to come are the next two teams because they're both undefeated and they're two of the three remaining undefeated teams in the SEC. Okay. So after that, you got Kentucky and Missouri. So Kentucky undefeated, Missouri undefeated, but in the power rankings, they're just languishing down there in the middle. What are you doing, Caleb? Do you just not like the Wildcats and the Tigers? On the ladder. So Kentucky fans will lambast me for this because look, we I picked we both picked Kentucky to cover against Florida last Saturday. We both thought they were going to actually beat them pretty significantly. Their blowout win against Florida at home at noon. That's not playing Florida at home at noon is not the same as playing Florida in the swamp at night. Do we agree on that? Yes. It's, it's a totally different. It's a totally different environment. And Tennessee wasn't even fully healthy in that game because Cooper Mays was hurt. So you throw all of that together. I'm sorry, Kentucky still has a miserable, miserable resume. They play horrible teams for most of the year. And again, I don't care that they blew out Florida. Tennessee plays Kentucky on a neutral field right now. Vegas is going to put the money on Tennessee. They are. Auburn comes in at number nine. That's a rebuilding program. Uh, And then you've got Florida that comes in at number 10. Now, that doesn't look good for Tennessee. And Rocky Top Tom says on the – Post, if you're watching on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. We appreciate that. Says, we lost to an incredibly mid-Florida team who just got wrecked by Kentucky. If Tennessee and Florida were playing on Saturday with a healthy Cooper Mays, who would you pick in that game, even if it was at the Swamp? Tennessee. And if they're playing at Neyland Stadium at noon, I'm picking Tennessee by 40 with a healthy Cooper Mays. Ouch. Okay. Um, I don't know about 40, but I think Tennessee wins with uh, Cooper Mays in there comfortably. Rocky Top Tom says still Florida, and they played each other, and I I respect um, that because ultimately Florida got the dub. But that's not how power rankings work, by the way. Right. Yeah, I think he knows that, but he's saying that Florida would win. South Carolina, 11. They dropped significantly after getting – uh, hammered by Tennessee in, in Tennessee Super Bowl. 
<laughs> but they don't feel like they're number eleven, Dave. <laughs> no, yeah, they don't. They feel don't like feel it. two and three. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that Spencer Rattler said in addition to the Super Bowl. So let's roll out the remainder of the list: Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. To me is the one that could get weird because Sam Pittman was such a great fit, but people said that about Butch Jones. I don't know that Sam Pittman is going to be long for uh, his world in Fayetteville, which I know a lot of people like him. He's kind of a fan favorite. Why? Because he talks to them. He's a media favorite because he talks to everybody in the media. We could probably have him on by Wednesday if I called, but we're good. So uh, the Power Rankings brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They do design jewelry, but they also do affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition, rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. And I want to ask our message board before we – I'm trying to do something here and trying to do two things. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I, I would like to – sell as many of my books as I can, but I'm trying to think of a way and I would appreciate your suggestions of honoring Brew McCoy uh, this week. Uh, we did champions week where you got a free t-shirt uh, last week. And I'm, I'm thinking about Caleb. I'm just workshopping this out loud and tell me what you guys think. So it's, it's the AEDs, that's what they're called, that um, th they give you if you're having a heart issue like uh, happened in the Bengals-Buffalo uh, game last year. Is that what they're called? AEDs that spark you back to life, the paddles? Um, oh, I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. Brew McCoy has given a lot of his time to make those more accessible. So I'll ask the message board, what do you think about a portion of of the proceeds from the book going to uh, Brew McCoy's, it's not a foundation, but the group that he supports. I'm curious what you all think about that. If that sounds like just corny marketing, taking advantage of a situation, tell me. But I think, Caleb, you know me well enough where I do want to uh, give back, and I do want um, to make this world a better place. So uh, the, the units are about $2,500. So we're, I'm trying to figure out a way to buy at least one unit. That's my goal. And we're going to do some workshopping on that. But if you if you haven't ordered the book now, please do so. And it'll be retroactive, whatever we figure out. You can order the book right down below. I want to thank Hound Dogs for a second for Travis says makes me feel better about buying two books. So, OK, we're just going to do that. How about we say five dollars of every book goes to the foundation that um, Brew McCoy uh, currently works with. And I'll have to look up the foundation because, again, I'm workshopping this out loud. But I will $5 per book will go to his foundation. And who knows, maybe we can, foundation, sorry, the charity that he supports, maybe we can buy one of those machines and maybe it'll save somebody's life. That, to me, is better than selling a million books. That would be absolutely incredible well i don't know maybe a million i could start my own foundation but uh we're going to go ahead and implement that and we'll have a social media post on it but if anybody wants to go ahead and buy one now it's basically going to be retroactive now so five dollars for every book sold uh for the remainder of this week and we'll just run it all the way through um and, and until texas a&m five dollars for every book sold goes to support brew mccoy and the uh charity that he worked with about getting one of the uh, AEDs, I believe they're called. Google that for me. Make sure I'm not talking out of my, you know what. Um, and 
that's what we want to do. Because yep, I'll, they're personal. Yep, they're American AD. They sell home personal use defilibration defilibrators, yep. defibrillators. Excuse me. Yes. So if we sell if we sell enough to provide half of one, I'll take that. Um, hopefully we we do more than that. But um, you know, again, I I hope you don't think this is a cheesy marketing thing because it's not. Because I just was broken hearted for the kid. Because listen, people that transfer used to always be malcontents. Period. End of discussion. Alvin Kamara is the ultimate example of not a malcontent, and I was blown away by him smiling all the time, and he wasn't playing enough. Brew McCoy shows up. You know, you had the domestic assault issue that went away somehow at Southern California. They tried to hold up his transfer and he's nothing but a great man while he is on campus. Um, that to me was uh, something special. So I just, I want to do something and I think that's going to be at $5 uh, for every book sold until the Texas A&M game. And we may do it beyond that. We'll go to, uh, Brew McCoy's foundation. I'll find that out. We'll have it on a social media post later today. But if, if you decide to order, uh, go right ahead. So up next, we have uh, some recaps and uh, it does affect the balls in a number of ways. So let's go ahead and uh, get to that right now. It'll be four downs and four downs. We get to play for the first time with the guy back, Cooper Mays. Four Downs, now brought to you by Sports Treasures. Four Downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, here we go, Coop. Let's go ahead and get us started. Four Downs brought to you by Sports Treasures. What should people do? Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Hey, and I really mean that because we're almost at 3,000 subs. So if you could tell a friend, that's a big deal for us. I mean, that would be super cool. I and mean, we just started this thing like a, a year and a couple of months ago. So we're really excited about uh, where we're going. Um, and uh, let's start with the first down. Cooper? Cooper here. First down. I can't believe that my guy Caleb is saying this. Nobody has been hotter on the LSU Tigers than Caleb and to some extent me. So, Caleb, we're both wrong. LSU is done. They are done. They are done. They've lost two games. I mean, even if they were to beat Alabama, which now I don't think is going to happen because they have to go to Alabama, they don't, they're not going to the college football playoff at this point. I don't see how they – I don't see any path for them. It's over. And honestly, given what they hoped for the season, Dave, you've covered teams like this when they hope to play for a national title and they were out of it in September. It's really hard to refocus and still play hard the rest of the season. Isn't Almost it? every team I covered in my first 10 years was like this because the Florida game. So you either yeah. won the Florida game or you lost and it's like, wah, wah, and the season's just kind of over. So, yeah, I mean, I've covered a dozen teams that are in this position when you have everything to play for and then it's gone because it's gone for LSU because this is two losses. Um, So it's, it's gone. Uh, Alabama. Let's talk them. What down Cooper? Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. Alabama is looking better. They are, but are you sold on more of the ball control type of offense, a tough defense, or is this just a case in which Jalen Milrow, 
played well and they beat uh, a they they were able to to get to this point in in the season in which they've they've looked good but not great. Are they past the quarterback issues? Is this a true national championship contender? Alabama is looking better number two on our takeaways from the weekend. Yeah, I think this is a I keep talk I keep calling it this is an era of almost a defensive renaissance in college football. If you look at the scoring, points per drive, points per possession, number of possessions ran in games, data and things like that. And it kind of fits Alabama. They ran Jalen Milrow eleven times over the weekend. And I thought that was perfect. Now they did run him more times against Texas, but that doesn't really count because Texas had five sacks and they pressured him a lot and he was forced to run. I think there were more designed runs for Jalen Milrow and they're going to work to keep it on the ground. I mean, Dave, we're looking at a, they're not Jalen Milrow is a Eric Crouch, Nebraska type quarterback. They're not going to run the option. They're going to run a pro style offense, but it's going to be very much about They threw it 12 times on Saturday. Yep. And, and this t- one, no I can't... complete a 10 of those passes. And I feel like this is going to be a, a fumbled snap because Cooper's going to snap it to me, and I can't believe I'm about to ask uh, this question. Sports Treasures carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Go to Facebook, sportstreasurestn.com. So number three, which is down. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. On Caleb's takeaways pack 12 race remains wide open is this pack 12 which is about to be the pack two is it the best conference in the nation certainly the most fun to watch in the nation there is no better conference to watch in, in football right now it is a guys tune into some pack 12 football right now this is fun to watch oregon state loses to washington state they come around and beat utah on a friday night Colorado hangs tough with USC. USC is undefeated still. You got USC, Washington State, Washington, all still undefeated. I'm missing oh, Oregon, all still undefeated. I mean, this is – you're looking at maybe two teams from the Pac-12 in the college football playoff this year after they've been iced out every year since 2016. I think the ultimate – question that will be answered before the end of the season if the Pac-12 is better than the SEC will be is Georgia elite they play down to opponents they did that last year and they still won a national championship so if they win a national championship I'll take the conference that has the elite team but as of right now I think you could make the argument that the Pac-12 is the best conference in the nation which is bizarre I don't I don't know that there is an elite team in the nation. If there is one, and it's Georgia, and they're playing down to their competition. Tennessee fans should love, love this next one. It's fourth down. All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Colorado has some fight. Guys, you may not like Deion Sanders, but I am telling you, Deion Sanders is doing it in a different way, but he's doing the same thing at Colorado that Josh Heupel is doing at Tennessee. It's very transfer portal-ish. Um, it, it's brash in a different way. Josh Heupel's offense is brash. Dion is brash. But they hung tough with Southern California. And I'm, I'm telling you, they're only going to get better. And I feel the same way about Tennessee. Tennessee may have missed on some transfers this year, but I don't think that's going to be the rule. I think that's the exception to the rule, Caleb. So, you may not like Deion Sanders, but that's exactly what Tennessee's doing in a different method. Yeah, and I'm going to say this. I watched the game on Saturday. If I'm an NFL scout, I'm higher on Shador Sanders than I am Caleb Williams. 
No questions asked. I told, I, I told you that week one. I I watched him for literally three minutes, and I said that that guy can be he can replace Dak Prescott, which is my ultimate compliment. He needs to be a Dallas Cowboy. I think he has incredibly light feet. I think he's incredibly good. I think he has incredible pocket presence. You watch him for a second, okay? At some point, go back. That's what Nico can be. Totally different player, light feet, unlike Joe Milton. I'm not knocking Joe or saying there should be a change, but that's what you're hoping Nico is next year, and he might very well be that. So your last is the uh, stage is set for the Red River shootout, and Texas, which is coming into the – I'm sorry, it's not your last one. Texas, which is coming into the SEC, um, has played fantastic. That's suddenly a very scary team. And uh, Oklahoma don't look as good and still don't belong in the top 10. But it should be a a good matchup. Still undefeated. Yeah, we will learn a lot about Oklahoma this week. This is, again, Florida State, Miami, both undefeated. Oklahoma, Texas undefeated. Dave, this is very early 2000s vibes. You know, Bob Suits, Mac Brown, and then Larry Coker and Bobby Bowden. I mean, this is just, it's exciting time for college football. I know, I know, and, and they're going to be in the SEC next year. But I know the most of the South is like SEC football or nothing. I'm like, guys, but it's good for the sport when these other programs are good. It's not good for the sport when it's when Georgia, Alabama, and LSU are the only games that matter every year. It's not. And so Agreed. it's exciting. Great. Guys that could use a drink because they're on the hot seat. Brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT. That's HAT to receive some free swag with your cider order available most anywhere in the United States of America. So Jimbo Fisher's seat cools off. Sam Pittman's gets warm. Billy Napier's long term, I thought, has been warm. I don't know that it's a change after this year but if i pressed you that either sam Pittman or billy napier will be fired after this year who would you pick sam Pittman because he's been there longer and so you know exactly what you're getting but billy napier guys had 13 men on the field for a game on saturday and still allowed a touchdown okay it's it's i'm sorry there are too many mistakes that's that's being made that are being made so it's just a disaster. But, yeah, watch out for Texas A&M. That backup quarterback is going to give Tennessee trouble in two weeks. Yep, and give Napier a case of hard cider. By the way, go support our sponsors. I'm telling you, um, that's why we're here. Go to uh, tncidercompany.com and use the promo code HAT, and you can have that cider delivered almost anywhere in the United States of America. All righty. And as we go through, we've got um it was a weekend of historic comebacks it was that was pretty strong and then let's take a look at the heisman race you've got camera ward number one caleb williams quinn yours uh michael Penix jr shadur sanders uh the top 10 i would have sanders higher um top 10 texas ohio state penn state florida state miami Washington State, Oregon, Washington, UNC, and then Georgia, the defending national champs who are still undefeated at 10. I, oh, come on, Caleb. What are you doing here? They did the same thing last year. They played down to every opponent. I'm not basing, and we're going to debate this in a second. I'm not even debating that I, I'm not holding it against them on how they played at Auburn. 
What I'm holding against them is their schedule's just been garbage. And and you guys can't come up with, well, they play in the SEC, so they play a harder schedule. You guys can't throw that at me. The data is very clear. Georgia has played one of the easiest schedules. Georgia's at number 10. Oklahoma's not in my top 10. And Michigan's not in my top 10. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think those might – I don't. that doesn't mean I don't think Georgia and Michigan may not be the two best teams in the country. This is a resume-based ranking. It's not a power ranking, and it's not a projection ranking. It is a resume ranking. And my resume ranking makes it very clear that these other teams have better wins and tougher schedules to this point. Okay. Let me just ask you this question. Somebody comes to you and they say, Caleb, you have to bet your all of your savings on just one team to win the national championship. Who are you betting on? Yes, it's going to be – actually, it's going to be Ohio State this year. I think they're better than Georgia this year. I picked them to win the national title at the beginning of the year. I bet more on Ohio State. No, I would take um, I would take Georgia. And to me, there's not a close second. That's but I would say that. I would take Georgia over almost any other team. But Dave, th- that's not what these rankings are. These rankings are resume based. Period. End of story. Georgia's resume is not good yet. It will be. They'll probably still get into the playoff. But right now, they are not. They are barely top ten. And again, I don't even have Michigan in the top ten. And I'm sure most people have them top three. No, um, I'm still I'm still taking Georgia in that regard, and I'm going to take Southern California over Ohio State as well, but we differ there. Now, is this a Georgia team that Tennessee can, should, or will beat? I'll just say can. I, I think people, again, I'm going to actually defend Georgia here. People are overreacting to the Auburn game. That's a rivalry game on the road against a very good coach in Hugh Freeze. So what that they only won by a touchdown? I mean, I picked them to – I picked Auburn to cover the spread. I knew that was going to happen. I could have told you that a 1,000 miles away. People need to take SEC – with SEC games, you have to take certain things into the count. Rivalry, on the road, coaching, and, yes, getting up for games. All of those favored Auburn this past weekend over Georgia. So, of course, they were going to play it a little closer. The same way I picked Arkansas to cover against LSU two weeks ago, and they covered even though LSU won. You gotta know when you when to take these things into account. And so I think people are freaking out about Georgia struggling. I know we're looking forward, but this is an off week. What do you think the spread Tennessee Georgia will be? I think what was Vegas, it last year. What was it last year? Uh let's look that up. Um that's a good question. Um uh, Rocky Top Tom though saying it right. Uh Georgia Bulldogs minus nine last year, and they covered. Yeah. Um, Georgia talk is pure speculation um, right now, which counts uh, for nothing six weeks ahead. I agree with that. But if the game were Saturday, um, what would it be? What would the line? I think I think it'd be right around nine again. Honestly, I think Vegas again. Vegas doesn't get you know this, Dave, as well as I do. The thing you got to give Vegas credit for—they don't overreact to to a one weekend slate of games. They don't. And I think that's a the first thing I the first time I ever learned about Vegas and how the odds work was I was 12 years old, used to read the lines in the paper. I didn't bet. I was just curious. And I remember Tennessee was two and three. It was the rebuilding year 2000 with Casey Clawson's freshman year. They were going to play South Carolina, who was having a renaissance year under Lou Holtz and in the top 25. And I saw Tennessee favorite on the road. I'm like, how does that work out? Vegas doesn't fall for the things that everybody else falls for. They just don't. No. So. What do you think the spread would be this week if Tennessee was hosting Georgia on Saturday? Georgia minus uh, Georgia between a touchdown and 10 points, seven to 10. 
something around that range. I was going to go six or seven. So we're not far apart. I would be surprised if it was actually, actually 10. But uh, there you go. Loved having Spencer Riley on. That was fantastic. And then tomorrow we will have the one, the only John Adams on for Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Robert, I see you on the message board. Said you were dead for eight minutes. Um, My gosh, prayers to you, sir. Um, Certainly hope everything's okay. He says he's uh, in in rehab now. So God bless. Um, We want you to to be fantastic because you bring a lot to the show. And... You know, we don't like it when people die. So be careful. Uh, take care out there. Do your physical therapy. Uh, and uh, we want to remind everybody to hit like and subscribe. We're almost at our 3,000 number. We're excited about that. And tell a friend. Greatly appreciate it. Want to again thank everybody that came to Hound Dogs. And that was on uh, Friday with Fred White. We'll do that again for the Texas A&M game. But had a half a dozen people come up and say, hey, listen to the show all the time, which was pretty awesome. So I was uh, very, very pleased. Friday was a, a special day. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. God is good, Robert. You're right. God is good. Um, this has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.